Hey folks, today we are diving into one of the most legendary recording outfits in history and the man behind it. This was where a slew of genre-defining artists cut their first records and were catapulted into legend. Carl Perkins, Johnny Cash, Helen Wolf, B.B. King, Jerry Lee Lewis, Roy Orbison, and of course the King, Elvis Presley, all made early cuts there. Of course, I'm talking about Memphis, Tennessee's Sun Studios and its outspoken founder, Sam Phillips. I can't wait to jump into this with you. Welcome to the Music Scope. It's hard to imagine rock and roll music without the influence of Sam Phillips. He was an incredibly innovative, open-minded, and fiercely driven individual, and he gave us so many components that we associate with rock and roll. When he got burned, his response was not to sue, but to innovate. For the first decade of rock and roll, Sam Phillips set the prototype for how it would sound, how it would be marketed, and how it could maintain relevance. Samuel Cornelius Phillips was born on January 5, 1923, near Florence, Alabama. He was the son of Madge and Charles, and the youngest of eight kids. Sam grew up on a farm, picking cotton alongside his family and alongside African-American laborers. Later in life, Sam said that the sound of the laborers singing while working left a huge impression on him. His family lost the farm during the Great Depression. And Sam ended up dropping out of school and working different jobs to help support his family. One of those was an announcer, DJ, and engineer for WLAY Radio in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. The station had an open format for broadcasting of both white and black performers. Phillips would move on to WREC in Memphis, Tennessee in 1945. In January 1950... Sam opened up the Memphis Recording Service, which would later become known as Sun Studios. To keep the business afloat, Sam would record all sorts of events, even funerals and weddings. However, the studio was unique in that he let amateur musicians record there and then sell the records to bigger labels. He drew a wide variety of Memphis-based musicians such as B.B. King, Junior Parker, and Helen Wolfe, who all made their first records there. In 1951, a 19-year-old Ike Turner would lead Jackie Brenston and his Delta Cats into Sam's studio to record what many consider the first rock and roll song, Rocket 88. Sam then sold the record to Chess Records in Chicago. Because Ike Turner showed such talent for arrangement and had connections to the music scene throughout the Mississippi Delta, Sam recruited him as a talent scout and a producer. In turn, Turner brought in Delta musicians such as Bobby Blue Bland, Little Milton, Roscoe Gordon, and the legendary Howlin' Wolf to cut their first records. Sam Phillips had found success in licensing recordings to record labels. He was happy to produce the music he loved and push raw talent into the spotlight. However, his relationship with Chess and other labels began to strain as they began to send their own teams to Memphis to produce records or bring artists to their location to record, as Chess did when they took Little Milton. 
and then Helen Wolf. They took them away to Chicago to record, leaving Sam Phillips high and dry. Feeling as if he had no other options, in 1952, Sam launched the Sun Record Company. His love of all types of music, but especially the blues, drove him to adopt an open format that he had experienced while working at WLAY years before. Sun would go on to release more rock and roll records than any other label from 1952 to 1969. Sam created a unique sound called Slapback Echo, which is a delay created by engaging the recording and playback heads of a tape machine at the same time. This became a signature of Sun Records sound, particularly on rockabilly artists such as Carl Perkins. Phillips also used a technique of balancing the vocal with the rest of the band instead of mixing it more up front. This helped keep focus on music and gave the songs more drive than traditional vocal fronted sides. Now in 1954, a young trucker stopped in and he wanted to record a song for his mother's birthday. Phillips' collaborator, Marion Kaiser, had cut the record for Presley and they would play back the tape to Phillips, encouraging him to record this young guy. So Sam is finally convinced and brings in Elvis for a session. He only has an acoustic guitar, so Sam pairs him with Bill Black on bass and Scotty Moore on guitar. As the session goes on, it ends up being kind of a dud. Sam isn't impressed. As the session is winding down, Elvis starts to clown around with Bill Black. He starts singing a version of Arthur Big Boy Crudup's That's Alright Mama. Scotty Moore starts playing along, and Phillips pokes his head into the studio. He tells him to go back and find a place to start and ends up recording Elvis's first regional hit, along with an up-tempo version of Bill Monroe's Blue Moon of Kentucky. The next year, Sam Phillips sold Elvis Presley's contract to RCA, where Elvis would go on to make rock and roll a national sensation. Throughout his RCA career, Elvis imparted what he had learned from Phillips to producers, helping to preserve his Elvis sound. Carl Perkins heard Elvis's version of Blue Moon of Kentucky in 1954. He was excited that there was a man in Memphis who understood what he was trying to do. He auditioned for Sam in October of 54, and his first single on Sun's Flip Records was the slow, Hank Williams-inspired Turnaround, and that became a regional hit. In 1955, Carl wrote Blue Suede Shoes after seeing a man get angry at his date for scuffing up his shoes. When Elvis left for RCA, Perkins received Sam Phillips' attention for the rockabilly market. In January of 1956, Blue Suede Shoes was released to massive success. Perkins would become famous for personifying that rockabilly sound, using Phillips' slapback echo technique and writing such classics as Honey Don't, Boppin' the Blues, and Dixie Fry. In 1958, Perkins would leave for Columbia Records, though he would never attain the amount of success he experienced with Sun. Another Sun discovery was Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash was an appliance salesman when he auditioned for Sam Phillips. Cash sang gospel songs almost exclusively. Phillips didn't have any interest in recording gospel songs, and eventually he was able to have Cash record songs in the rockabilly country style that he had been known for early in his career. The first recordings were Cry, Cry, Cry and Hey Porter. Johnny would go on to record some of his best-known songs at Sun Studios. 
Folsom Prison Blues, and I Walk the Line were big hits, and Johnny Cash would be the first Sun artist to record a full-length LP. Sam Phillips continued to refuse to record Cash's gospel songs, and in 1958, Johnny Cash left Sun Records for a better deal with Columbia, who would also allow him to record the gospel songs he loved so much. Although Phillips was not happy about his number one artist leaving, Cash had left behind a significant amount of unreleased material, and Sam continued to release it and profit from it through the mid-60s. Jerry Lee Lewis had cut a demo in 1954 and had auditioned and been rejected from the Grand Ole Opry in 1955. He went to audition for Phillips in 1956, but Sam was in Florida. Jack Clement recorded Lewis's version of Crazy Arms, which ended up being popular across the South and Southeast. In 1957, Sun released Whole Lot of Shaking Going On, and it thrust Jerry Lee Lewis into the spotlight. His percussive, bumping piano style was instantly recognizable, and his stage antics became the stuff of legend and scandal. Whole Lot of Shaking was followed by Great Balls of Fire and Breathless and High School Confidential. A scandal in 1958 cooled off Lewis's momentum when it was discovered that he had married his 13-year-old cousin. Yee. Although the scandal derailed his string of hits, he kept performing, and eventually he would make the transition into country music, although it was with hits fewer and far between. Now, in the later years, Sam started backing away from recording, and by the mid-60s, he was very rarely behind the desk. He had moved into other business interests, such as opening other labels, such as Philips, and radio stations like WHER, which opened in 1955. WHER was the first all-female formatted radio station, with most of the staff and all of the announcer positions occupied by women. He would continue to be involved in owning and operating radio stations through his company, Big River Radio. Sam would also invest in a small hotel chain using earnings from the sale of Elvis Presley's contract. The investment would work out quite well for him, and the hotel chain was the Holiday Inn. Sam Phillips, through sheer self-determination and inventiveness, brought new textures to blues and country and helped forge the sound of rock and roll. His fearless openness to recording African-American artists and all types of music from R&B to country to rock helped bring a new sound to the American ear and also helped ignite a rock and roll flame that still burns today. I appreciate you tuning in and listening to a little bit of how Sam Phillips changed the music world. Join me next week when we explore the lives of Richie Valens, Buddy Holly, and Big Bopper Richardson the effect that their untimely deaths would have on a generation. This has been The Music Scope, and I'm Mike Rowe.